And God's at work here, and this is a great uh, time to be a part of First Collierville. You know, everything that we're doing is because we're passionate about leading every generation to know and to follow Jesus. And so I want you to get your Bible out, and we're going to learn a little bit about what that looks like. What does that mean? Uh, get your Bible out and open it up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Luke, chapter 9. What does it mean to follow Jesus today? Uh, there is a, uh, in the Mishnah, which is the kind of rabbinic teachings and traditions of the Jewish people, the Mishnah collects uh, material from around 200 BC to 200 AD, and it really is kind of a, a base of belief for the Jewish folks today. Uh, in the Mishnah, there is a rabbi, and his name is Yosef ben Yoezer. And, and Rabbi Yoezer talks about what does it mean to be a follower of a rabbi. Now, again, this, this predates Jesus a couple hundred years. But, he, but his words have really jumped out and give us an idea of what does it mean to be a follower of a rabbi. And this is what uh, Rabbi Yoezer says. He said, let thy house be a meeting house for the wise and powder thyself in the dust of their feet and drink their words with thirstiness. In other words, he said, if you want to follow a rabbi, you need to invite the rabbis into your house. Let your house become like a synagogue where you can learn from them and drink in what they have to say, every single word. And then he said, powder yourself in the dust of their feet. What does that mean? That means as a rabbi walks along the way, you walk behind the rabbi and you're so close to the rabbi that the dust of his feet kicks up, just powders yourself. So a follower would, would be covered in the dust of their rabbi. Now, I think that's a great picture of what Jesus meant when he talked about being a disciple or a follower of his. When you look at Luke chapter 9, this is what Jesus is doing. He's calling, calling people to be his disciple, to be his follower. Now, this is a very serious, pivotal time in the life of Jesus. About the last nine months of his life, he's setting his course toward Jerusalem where he knows he'll die on a cross. In fact, starting at this point, Jesus will predict his death, very clearly, his death, burial, and resurrection, three different times. And so he's very serious. He says he's setting his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. And so Jesus is calling people with a serious call to be a follower or to be a disciple of his. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said, if, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He's saying, listen, if you want to come after me, we're not just playing games here. Uh, if you want to come after me, you, you got to deny yourself. You got to put me first. You got to take up your cross, even, even if it costs you your life, and follow me. And so Jesus is calling his disciples to be a follower. You know, the follow me was Jesus' favorite invitation. Over 24 times in the Gospels, Jesus said the words, follow me, follow me. And Jesus still calls men and women to follow him today. Even today, Jesus is calling us, you, me, to be followers of his. And there are many people today that uh, they say they're followers of Jesus, they claim to be followers of Jesus, but are not really going the direction Jesus is going. Not really following in his steps or obeying him or submitting themselves to him. There are a lot of would-be followers that say, well, you know, I, I kind of want to follow Jesus, but I kind of want to do my own thing. And listen, that's not anything new. There were would-be followers of Jesus even 
in Jesus's day. And in fact, in this passage, Jesus encounters three would-be followers that Jesus is going to confront and he's going to tell them how to move forward in their walk with God. And just maybe you fit into one of these three categories. Maybe you're like one of these three would-be followers and, and you've got to get unstuck. You've got to move forward in your relationship with God. So let's, uh, let's take a look at these uh, three people that Jesus encounters. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 57. All right? Uh, this is the word of God. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. And he said, Lord, uh, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those of my, my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, discipleship is a buzzword today. There are a lot of books written on discipleship. There are a lot of conferences about discipleship. But I, I want to boil it down this way. Discipleship is fellowship. In other words, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you, want to, if you want to follow Jesus, it means that you are following him, that you are choosing to align your life with the life of Jesus. You're choosing to obey him. You're choosing to submit to him. You're choosing to do life the way he wants you to do life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and really what Jesus is doing is confronting these guys that said, yeah, I want to follow you, but they weren't willing to align their life to the life of Jesus Christ. And there are three different categories. Let me give you the first one. Here it is, write this one down. The first guy Jesus encounters is what we call the casual follower. The casual follower. He comes up to Jesus and he says, hey Jesus, man, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, if somebody came up on a Sunday and said, I want to follow, I'll follow Jesus wherever he leads me to go. I, I'm in, I'm all in. Uh, if we saw somebody like that on a Sunday morning, we'd say, all right, all right, we got, we got a true follower here. Man, let's, let's get them signed up and let's get them on nursery duty and let, let's get them serving over here and working over here. Let's get them plugged in, man. They're, they're fired up. They're, they're really a follower. But Jesus didn't really share this guy's immediate enthusiasm. He said, Jesus, man, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus looked at him and he said, well, you know, uh, that sounds great. But, you know, foxes have holes that they call home and birds in the air have nests that they call home. And I'm homeless. You sure you want to follow me? Are you willing to follow me there? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to, to give up your comfort? Matthew's gospel uh, account of this event uh, says that this man was a scribe. That means that he was well-educated, that he, was, uh, he had resources, he probably had a high standard of living. He said, are you willing to give all that up to be a follower of mine? You see, what happened was this guy was a casual follower, and it says that he got fired up. Maybe he heard Jesus preaching, and he was stirred. Maybe he saw some miracles, and he got excited, 
And uh, he thought, man, that's what I want. I want to kind of follow the crowd. I just want, yeah, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Why not? But he hadn't really considered the cost of what it would take to follow Jesus. And there are people like that today. They, they love the band. Man, the band gets them moved and they hear, hear someone preach and they're stirred and the music plays and they, they decide in a moment, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but, but they haven't really thought through what it will cost them to follow Jesus. You know, uh, a while back, I remember going to a restaurant and, uh, it, it, and I, I used to like the restaurant, right? And then it went out of business. Uh, and then it came back, back online again, except there was a sign posted outside that said, under new management, right? Now, when you see that sign, what that sign means is, I know it was bad last time, but I promise it'll be better, right? Because we've made some changes. We got a, a new leader, a new manager now, under new management. Well, the same thing is true when you give your life to Jesus. When you give your life to Christ, he hangs a sign on your life that says, now under new management. There's a new person leading the charge here. And there are changes that need to be made. Listen, one of the costs to following Jesus is the cost of change. That you can't follow Jesus and keep living life the way you used to. That when you become a follower of Jesus, he is in charge. He's leading the way. He's making the decisions. You're aligning your life to submit under him. You say, well, well, what do you mean by that? Well, like what kind of change are you talking about? Well, let's just give some examples. Following Jesus might mean that instead of living with your boyfriend, that you separate for a period of time and, and then you really learn what it means to have a godly marriage and then you only live in together after you're married. That would be what Jesus would lead you to do. Why? Because he knows how marriage works. He knows what's best for you. He knows what it would take to keep the marriage together. That may be a change that you would need to make. Listen, uh, following Jesus may mean that you, you uh, spend your time differently, that you don't spend so much on your hobbies or on your vacation, but you really spend time investing your life in other people. That's what Jesus would lead you to do. Maybe, maybe it's going to be letting your kids go and follow Christ and maybe serve on mission field or maybe serve in, in a Christian camp when you think they ought to be interning for the summer to get a better job. I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of issues that may come up. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but I do know this, that when you decide to follow Jesus, Jesus will make some changes. And the true follower of Jesus doesn't say, whoa, I, I was into the band and all, but I, I'm not into this kind of change. No, a true follower says, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll go. Jesus, he said, I'll go wherever you want to go. And he said, are you sure? Will you, lead? Will, you, will you go here? Will you give up some comfort? Will you let me be in charge? Will you let me call the shots? When I was a kid growing up in church, we used to sing this old hymn. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. How many of y'all have sung that song before? All right. Now listen, it's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to live it, isn't it? But that's what a true follower does. A true follower says, Lord, really, wherever you want me to go, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Not a casual follower that says, hey, you know, I don't want to make those changes. Wherever you lead, 
I'll go. So if you're a casual follower today, then maybe today you need to say those words, God, whatever it takes, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to count the cost for whatever you want. I want you to be in charge. The second would-be follower is what I call the delaying follower. The delaying follower. Uh, Jesus comes to him. He says, follow me. That great invitation. And the guy starts off good. He says, Lord, which that's, that's impressive. He calls him Lord, boss, one who's in charge. I like that. And then the next words start to trail off. He said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, at first glance, you think that's not so bad. I mean, come on, Jesus. His dad just died. I mean, let him, let him go to the funeral and then he can follow. But on, on closer examination here, uh, most scholars agree that this guy's probably not going to in a funeral anytime soon. He was probably saying this, Lord, I want to follow you, but, but I'm, I've got responsibilities right now. I've got to take care of my family right now. I've got a lot on my plate right now. But once my parents pass on and, I, and I've got a freer calendar, then I will follow you. You know, not, not now, but, but maybe later. Not today, but, but maybe someday. You know, there are a lot of people that, that are delayed followers. I mean, they, they, they want to follow Jesus and they want to be right with God. And they want to, they, you know, they hear, man, God's got a plan for you and God wants to use you and God's given you gifts. And they, all this kind of stuff, and they're stirred in their heart, but they're like, but not now. Not now. I'm not quite ready yet. They'll say something like, uh, you know, when I get out of college... Then I'll, then I, you know, I'll start, stop sowing my wild oats and then I'll settle down and I'll really follow Jesus. Or, man, when I get a career, then I'll be more stable, then I'll follow Jesus. Or maybe when I, when I get married and, and really things start to settle down in my life, then I'll follow Jesus. Or, you know, when the kids come along and things really slow down, <laughs> that's when I'll follow Jesus. Or when the, when the kids finally leave, you know, and, and they go off to college, and then I'll have all this extra room and all this extra time on my hands, then I'll follow Jesus. Or, you know, when the kids get married, because now I'm going to college to college, and all my weekends are taken up, I'm just really slammed with that, but, you know, when the kids get out of college and they get settled, then everything will kind of slow down for me. Or when the grandkids stop being so busy, or when I finally get to retirement, or when we settle in that retirement home. You see, you can spend your whole life thinking that one day you'll follow Jesus. You can waste your one life always saying, someday, someday, someday I'll follow Jesus. Jesus saw that this man was delaying, delaying, and so Jesus knew what this man needed. He needed to make a decision. And so he looked at this man. And he said, let the spiritually dead bury their own. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, he said, look, you've been kicking this can down there a long time. It's time for you to make a decision now. You need to stop with the later. Now you need to make a decision. Are you with me? Or are you not? Are you going to follow me or not? Today's the day of decision. 
And listen, many times we have to stop kicking the can down the road and we have to decide. Some of you have been saying, well, someday I'll get baptized. Someday I'll get involved in that group. Someday I'll get involved with the church. Someday, you know, I'll, I'll make a decision for Christ. Someday, you know, later when I got more blah, blah, blah. And listen, that day will never come. Today is the tomorrow you thought about yesterday, right? Think about that for a minute, right? And you're like, oh, well, tomorrow. Well, that's today. And, and today is day of decision. And the scary thing is you're not guaranteed tomorrow. The only guarantees you have are right now. And right now, Jesus is saying, follow me. Right now is your opportunity. Right now is the season to say yes. In fact, if you find yourself always delaying, always saying, well, maybe later, maybe someday I will, maybe someday I will. Then I want you to hear the words of Hebrews chapter 3. This is not my words. These are God's words. Hebrews 3, verse 15, it says this. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Listen, if you hear God's voice today, tugging at you, saying, hey, you, you've been saying you would get involved. You've been saying you'd be baptized. You've been saying you would come to Christ. You've been saying you'd turn to Jesus. You've been saying you would disciple somebody. You've been saying you would serve. If, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. You're never guaranteed that you'll hear his voice again. Don't be a delayed follower. Make a decision today. Here's the crazy thing. Some of you are going to make a decision today. You know what? That's the cool thing. This is what gets me up here every weekend. Because there's some of you, you're going to say, you know what? That's right. I'm tired of delaying. I'm tired of this excuse after excuse. Today, I'm gonna, you're going to make a decision today. You're going to decide, I'm going to be baptized. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to start walking with God. I'm going to raise my hand. And I'm going to pray to receive Christ. And this is going to be the best day in your life. And God's going to surge in your life and start moving in your life. Just like he did with Scott and Barb and Jason and Lurie. But on the same road, there's going to be somebody else that's going to say, well, maybe later. And you'll never get there. So listen, if you're here today and you hear his voice, make a decision today. The last person, the last would-be follower is what I call the divided follower. And uh, he comes to Jesus, he says, I will follow you, but, but let me say, first say goodbye to my family. Again, it's not an awful request, right? Jesus, let me just say bye. Uh, it's not a delayed issue. Let me just say goodbye. And Jesus turns to him in verse 62 and he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You say, man, that's kind of rough, isn't it? I mean, Jesus won't even let him say goodbye. That's pretty, pretty hard nosed, don't you think? But I, I, Jesus saw something in this guy that you and I don't see from just reading the scripture. There was something Jesus knew about this guy. And what he knew is that this man had a divided heart. There was part of this guy that wants to follow Jesus and there was part of this guy that wants his old life. It's part of this guy that wants to move forward and part of this guy that wants to look backward. There's a part of this guy that wants to really be all that God wants him to be and a part of his life that he wants to still be in control with his own life. And Jesus said, no, it's time. It's time to put me first. He said, if you've put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. I was thinking about that this week. You know, not many of you have plowed ground with some oxen lately, right? Probably pretty safe to say. Not many of you have done that as of late. Some of you have never done that. Some of you will never do that. 
And I was thinking, all right, so, so what would be a contemporary version of the way Jesus would say that? Maybe today Jesus would say this, hey, you don't get behind the wheel of a car and drive forward all, only looking backward over your shoulder. You're going to run into something. You don't mow your yard with, with your head over your shoulder. It would be all over the place. What you do is you stop looking backward and you start focusing on what's ahead of you. And he said, you know what? You've got a divided heart. You need to leave your past behind you and you need to move forward. The apostle Paul said, forgetting what is in my past, I am strained forward to the high call of God in Christ Jesus. For some of you, you may have a divided heart. Now you're looking back at your past and, and the hurts of your past and that, that's keeping you from moving forward with God. Or you're looking back at your successes and what you used to do and how you used to be, that, that's holding you back from your walk with God. You're looking back at your status. Well, I can't follow Jesus because what if my employees heard about that? All right, you're looking back at, at, at your success or your career or, or your reputation. You're looking back at a lot of other things that are drawing at you, but it's holding you back from being sold out to Jesus Christ. There's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament about a woman, uh, well, it was Lot's family, a man named Lot. He had a family in a terrible place called Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a terrible place and God was going to destroy it. And so God allowed Lot and his family to escape under the cover of night. And an angel said, move forward and don't, whatever you do, don't look back. And as they were climbing up the mountains away from Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's wife stopped with a longing in her heart for her previous life that she was leaving and she turned and she looked back and the Bible says she was turned into a pillar of salt. If you go to the Dead Sea today, you can still see salt deposits around that area. And here she was in, in a way frozen in, in no man's land between the place that she was leaving that she used to have her previous life and the life that God had for her. She missed out on all the things that God would give her, all the promises God would give her, all the blessings because she was stuck between her past and her future. Listen, some of you are stuck spiritually. Let's just face it. You're stuck. You're not moving forward. You see, the, the, the walk with Christ is not just, hey, you know, I made a decision, now I'm just here, and I just kind of stay here, I sit in my same seat every week, I just do my thing, and that's it. No, this is a walk with Jesus, and you're either getting closer to him, or you're drifting further from him. You're moving in power, or you're getting weaker. You're, you're getting more and more like Christ, you're getting less and less like Christ. It's one or the other. And listen, you can't move forward with God grabbing hold of the things of the past. You got to let go of those things. So you can now receive what God has for you. And some of you, you have a divided heart. And what you need to do today is say, Jesus, you're first in my life. Not my career, not my, uh, not my possessions, not my status, not my reputation, not my children, not my relationships. You are the first in my life. And I want to align all that I am under you. That's the decision you have to make today, to put him first. Let me tell you, that was a huge turning point in my life. When I finally got to a place in college where I said, Lord, I just want what you want, and that's all. That was a turning point for me. And listen, maybe that's what's holding you back. You're not saying, Lord, I want to put you first. I want to serve you first. Enough with the excuses. Enough with the maybe later. 
Enough with the, well, I do that on occasion when I can to really say, Jesus, you are the first priority of my life. That's what Jesus wants. When you look at this, discipleship is fellowship. Jesus is calling every person in this room to follow him. For some of you, that means counting the cost. For others of you, it means making a decision. For some of you, it means putting Jesus first in your life. But Jesus is still calling. He's calling you to follow him wherever he leads. The question is, what decision will you make? We're not told what these guys did, by the way. We're told what Jesus said to them. We're not told their response. And the response that you will make is still unwritten as well. What will your response be?